Okay, we continue with our overview of Menashe very carefully. And you have three sheets in front of you. Two of the Gemara Sanhedrin, one of the Rina Yitzchak. There are many Gemaras on Menashe. I just want to focus on three of them. First one, Sahedrin Kuv Beis and the Beis. It's three lines on the top of Ashi Uki. You see that one? So I mentioned this at the beginning of our Hagdama. So I want to show you inside. There are two Diukim which we have to work on. Of Ashi Uki Ashlesha Malachim. So Avashi was giving shear on the Mishnah and Sanhedrin, uh, the three Malachim that lost their Chelik and Alam Haba. As we mentioned at the beginning, this Mishnah, unfortunately, is not an exhaustive list of everybody in the history of Klai who lost their Alam Haba. Because the Mishnah would be very, very long. We're talking about people who had exceptional, exceptional uh, power, talent, chachma, opportunity, and... They could have done incredible things. Unfortunately, it went in the wrong direction, even though many of them started off in a positive way, with the exception of Bilam. We really don't have too much to say about him in a very positive light. But Yeruvam and Menashe, Yeruvam started off as a tzaddik. He was chosen to be king. Menashe, as we mentioned, probably started off at least a few days, a few weeks, with something positive until Zietzahara and the other advisors got to him. But talent he had, and tshuva he did. So everybody we're speaking about had the opportunity, and also with it had a tremendous nisayin. So Avashi opened up the shir, opened up the sugya, and apparently, you see, Avashi at the end of the last shir he gave said, tomorrow we're starting a different sugya. It just mentioned that line. We're going to talk about the three Malachim. And he said, Niftach Bechavrin. Lamachar Niftach Bechavrin. Tomorrow we're going to discuss our colleagues. Before you see the next line, I thought that was very complimentary. Colleagues? Ravashi. Ravashi and the Gedele Amaram of his uh, generation. And he called them colleagues. It didn't help. Menashe came to Ravashi in a chalim. Asa Menashe is chazilai b'chalmei. We'd call this a nightmare. And he had tainus. Amar chavre v'chavre da'avuch. Karislan, you called me a colleague, an equal. And then he added, chavre da'avuch. Am I the equal of your parents and grandparents, which means that uh, as you get closer to Sinai, there's the Skatnoideris. So. You're not on my level, and your parents aren't even on my level. And to prove it, he's going to ask him a Shailandin, what we would think is a relatively simple Shaila. Obviously, it wasn't simple. I should know the answer. That's what Manasha was trying to prove. So where do you start Cutting, where do you make the bracha on? And Shailen Hochas Brachas. Amalai Layadana. So Ravashi says, I don't know. Amalai Mehecha Dabai Lemishri Hamadzi Logamiris Vachavir Karisla. 
you don't even know, quote-unquote, an elementary din and helchus brachas of betziyah sapas, and you're calling me a colleague? Savashi so was Avashi. He was a tremendous chacham tzaddik and anov. So we'd probably wake up at this point in a cold sweat. He asked him for the answer, which is instructive, besides all the other things going on in his message. He wondered, what's the din? The famous Shver who came to Velozhin and wanted to know uh, who was the best boy, and he was looking for a chassan for his daughter. And he said, whoever gets the shayla, clapped on the bimma, threw out the bomb kasha, and uh, it was a tumult for days, and then nobody got the answer. And as he's leaving town, nobody got the answer, so he left empty-handed. And there was one bacher who ran after him, and he said, what's the answer? Oh, we didn't, uh, nobody got in, okay. <laughs> what's the answer? So he's the one who was chosen. You gotta be a mavakish, so. So he asked him for the answer. And... He told him the answer, and uh, tomorrow uh, he said, after I have the answer, I'm going to uh, Darshanit, and I'm going to certainly fix up the way I refer to you and the other Chaverim. As I mentioned, the only one that came to him in his dream was Menashe. My guess is because he's the only one who did tshuva. Whether the tshuva worked, whether they fixed it up, that's what we're discussing. But Yerob Menavat was offered, did not do tshuva. Achav did tshuva, but then regressed. The, he didn't leave this world having done tshuva. He left this world with an act of bravery. He stood up in his chariot in order not to cause more losses in the battle. But had a hespid, but uh, Menashe is the only one who actually left in tshuva mode, which is probably why he had this chuz and a bit of a riot in the Mandamar that he got a Lamhaba and he's the head of the section of Bali tshuva, which not to be agrees with, but certainly a prominent shita like that. So it seems to lend credence to that. So So please teach me and I will darshan it in your name tomorrow. When we give shir. Now, where that's supposed to be. Look at Rashi first before we continue in the Gemara. It's the top bracket. Call them colleagues. Rashi says he meant colleagues as in they were to Chamim like us. So he gave the covet you would think would be necessary to let us know who Menasha was. Not just Menasha, Yeruvim, and Achav also knew how to learn. So Rashi says he already said that at the beginning. And yet, Edlam Chelek Lawson. So we're going to get back to that Rashi soon. She's adding already that in the beginning, before Menashe came to him, he already bavarned that they were they were big people, with a lot of potential. So Amalei Menashe b'chalam. Rashi continues. What do you think? Uh, you're on our level of learning, at least. You don't even know where to break bread. Which is a daily occurrence. So he asked him, What's the answer? And he told him, Next Rashi, Place where it starts to get baked in the Tanner. So 
If they cut up the challah and they bring you a piece, you should only make the bracha on the part that's baked first and therefore well-baked now, as opposed to the middle, which is the least baked. So if you're cutting and the challah's whole, so you're going to be cutting from the part that's the crusty part. We're not going to get into now a favorite subject of many people. Can you eat the ends of the challah? Uh, the short answer, yes. You're looking at me quizzically like you never heard that trailer. <laughs> it must be related to some yuckies. Uh it's, uh it's a popular shailah. Whatever the Indian might be, could be, many people do. Some people don't. Somebody ends up eating it usually. Uh, so they're not usher. The question is what the makar might be, but when you're making a metzi, you start from the part, and Rashi gives you a lot of options because it get bakes, gets baked on the perimeter and the inside is the part that's least baked. And uh, Rashi never even thought of the shayla, apparently, when Menashe asked him, but there's a din. And Menashe says this is something that they always used to wash, something that happens every morning and every afternoon. How can you call me a chaver? So, Ravashi heard the answer and promised again to say it over Bishmai the next day and to refer to him with a different title. Let's go back to the Gemara. During the dream, this is all a conversation in the Chalayim. He says, if you're so smart, why were you doing a Vodazar? If you were there, you'd pick up your kapata to run faster. So that gives you an insight whether he would have or wouldn't have. The expression is there was a very, very tremendously powerful Yitzhahara, which became bottle upon the request of Ashkenazagadola by Binya Bayashani. Ravashi is way after Khurban Bayashani. And therefore, you can't identify with the Yetzirah because it hasn't existed for a long, long time. And you don't know what we were up against. That doesn't condone what he did. And Lamaisa, if you have a big Yetzirah, you're also bigger, which Ravashi learned here that Menashe was very big. And he also had a big Yetzirah. Just I explained to him that it's not so Pashit. And yes, I knew how to learn. And so did Achav Sadi Rabbi. It doesn't mean that every other of Yetzirah knew how to learn and was... Uh, a tzaddik and potential, everybody has a potential to do well. You can always beat uh, the Yetzirah because or else it's not an Isayan. That's a pretty basic Isayan. Can't be an Isayan if you don't have a choice. If there's no Bechira, then you can't get punished. So Ravashi is learning over here from Asha that uh, it's not simple and it's quite complex and you're never going to fully understand it because you can't describe the Yetzirah as to somebody who uh, never dealt with it, like you can't describe a rainbow to a person who can't see. It's not the shayat to explain. You compare it to the most powerful Yetzirah that you know, and uh, then you start extrapolating. And Rashi understood that he didn't fully understand. So the next morning, after this chalayim, he started cheering, he said, Niftah bravusa, let's begin discussing our rabbeim. The first line, the Chavarenu, we're still struggling with. And now he said, okay, we're going to discuss the Rabbeim. So it goes back to the first Rashi, where Rashi 
said the chavrin, which I thought was a compliment, was niftach be be chavrinu that were timir chamim yet ain lahem chelik lelamabam. And I'll show you the point. The Minas Yitzchak brings it out very well. Go to your single page, Minas Yitzchak. So he wants to know why even give them the original compliment. You don't want to put yourself in the same classification as Rishayim and Avdei Avodah So why would you even say Chavarena, let alone to get criticized, you didn't say Rabbi Seinah. So if you take a look at the bottom of the first column. I'm glad it was written down over here, because again, the words... We don't want to invite any uh, dreams or nightmares, but the cash is obvious. It's even Chavarenu is difficult to understand. They weren't Chaverim, or Vashi's the Gadladar, and he's Talmidim of the next generation of Amarim, the last generation of Amarim, actually. And uh, how do you compare that to Menashe or anybody who's a Chadia Machtias or Rabbim? Even if he knew Hilchas Brachas. Why would that be a comparison? You look at Rashi, Rashi is trying to bavan this point and to see why he even mentioned that, what would be the purpose of telling this to the Tamidim. His point, his original point was going to be, let's discuss people who had tremendous potential and knew how to learn, as we do, and yet something went seriously wrong. And therefore, you can't rest on your laurels and you can't take it for granted and you have to be extra careful and a gather of and you've got to be very, very careful. And that was his message to the Talmidim. And that is a powerful message. You can't Assume that you're on cruise control. We, we have a case, though, of Mayor He was the only one, by the way. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty amazing record. He's the only one of all the Tanaim and Amaraim and the Holy State of Ham. And there's a historical backdrop. Again, I can't condone it, but there's a historical explanation of why it happened. Lisha Ben Amaraim probably lived at the most difficult time in history of Kleisol till, till the Holocaust. Uh, it was a pot, it was Shasa Shmad, and it was just uh, he cracked. It was, there was no other, uh, just tremendous pressure, which explains why we have Makarius that he uh, spent time trying to convince Tamidim, Rahman Islam, to leave Yeshiva and put down their pens. And uh, he was, in his worldview, like many assimilationists today, were afraid they, they can't do this anymore. And as we explained last week, just give it up and blend in because this isn't working. So he cracked. So he wasn't the only, he was the only one among Tanam and Amaram in, in Shas. He wasn't the only one because Manasha and Achaz had the same issue. But Baruch Hashem, it's very rare. The point of Ashi's making is that uh, you can't assume that you have a Chazak on anything and you've got to always be on guard. That explains, that's what Rashi's trying to say, why he even gave them that compliment. The pella of the Gemara is the next line is that he had a nightmare and that compliment wasn't enough. And if you're trying to make the point of how dangerous it is, you should let them know that we're actually your Rabbeim in certain things. We need to learn better and it still happened. That's what you have to take out from this explanation of the Rashi. 
And then he makes a second point, which I thought was very fascinating in the next line, top line. Why Menashe came back and told Avashi, you're calling me your chaver? I'm not your chaver. I'm not the chaver of your parents and grandparents. Or who brought in the parents over here? Well, he never mentioned. Why does he, why does he bring up his father? So he says in the top line, So be we discussed this a little bit in the Kibbutz of Amshir and the Chiyuvim of the parents and the child, the Chiyuvim of the grandparents for Talmud Torah. Normally you have a Klal Mitzvah, but yes, the goes on your child. And yet Chazal seemed to say that there's a unique din by a grandfather, which is going to get to in a moment, the Amr Chazal, and a Daim Shemeh Mepiah, Rav Shemeh Talmud. It seems to be if you go a generation up, you're closer to Harsinai. And Mamela, there's a Maila, even though you're hearing from the Talmud what the Rav said. And we have the, the concept of Neskatno Adaris. Even though the father has a direct chiyuv, the grandfather is a maila, but the father has the chiyuv. The answer is, but the grandfather is closer to Tarasinai. So there is a maila in a way to be makabalit from the grandfather. You're not as big, and even your father, who's closer, and your grandfather, who's closer than that, I'm a lot closer than all of them, and therefore I still have a thing or two or more to teach you. So it's a very difficult concept. You have Scott Naderis at the end of the day. Ravashi Lamaisa, without getting myself into the Machlekes, whether Menashe got back his Olam Haba or didn't, but certainly according to the Mandamim, and there are many of them, that he didn't, like the Rabbanon of Rabbi Yudin, the Mishnah, who did better at the end, Ravashi or Menashe? Ravashi, according to that Mandamim. So you can have Neskat and many, many Darius later, Lamaisa, if you do better than a Russia of previous Darius, you're greater. We're just talking about the potential over here and the reason why Menashe had so many aspects of chachma and potential godless, and maybe godless that he actualized, according to the shittas that he did, the tshuva was accepted. Menashe is just trying to get across the point. Whenever you approach anybody in Tanakh, certainly you've got to be very, very careful because there are many, many derivatives in between, and therefore that automatically gives them a very, very strong edge. That's an, and that's an understatement. And then if Lamaisa, um, they didn't do tshuva, they didn't go to Omhaba, and you did, so then that but he's trying to show him the gap, which um, is still a, a difficult concept to understand. Lamaisa, in this case, it depends on whether you hold that Menashe fixed it up or not. Yes? When he was in the hot seat and he did tshuva. Right, but the way he said it was very like... Uh, yeah. Right, so but later on, did he do full tshuva later on? That's part of the shayla. The, the array is, we'll get back to the sukkim soon. Uh, I'm going to show you uh, the other gemara. Certainly according to many, he did tshuva perhaps for the Avodah 
for the Ritzicha, which was widespread, he didn't do tshuva, or it was so bad, that it was so rampant, that he spread, that he made Dina Mechusadina, he couldn't undo, and therefore the atmosphere was still poisoned, which is why we blame much of the Chorban on him, even if he did. That's why it's complicated. And it's, again, the Machlekes Tanam Rabban Rabbi Yudu, which passed like Darbon, it sounds like he didn't, but we don't pass in this dinner. Shemayim ben Paskin, then Rabbi Yechanan, Amira says, how can you say he didn't do tshuva? He could be null, delos, and nebali tshuva. That's why it's a little unclear in the sugya, lamaisa, what, what happened at the end. Okay, take a look at, go back to the Gemara for a moment. Take a look at, I think you have it in a single sheet. Kuf Gimel on I want to show you two other parts just to round out the description. These next two pieces show you the uh, godless of his learning and the damage that he did per the question you just asked. See the Tanah Abonim? Tanah Manasha HaYashayna Chamishim V'Chamisha Ponim B'Teres Kainim B'Teres Kainim is the free. K'neged Shnei Malchusa He daishin the new Chiddush in the sugyas, very difficult sugyas of Teres Kainim. Every year he gave a new shir clothing and a new Chiddush and his reign was 55 years. So he ended up, if you look at Shire Rabbeinu Menashe, if they print it, I haven't seen it yet printed in any farm stores, you would see 55 years of uh, Sifri and concurrent 55 years of the Takva Kain Sugya and uh, different Mahalach and Akatsais every single year. Daishin 50. So it sounds like. So how could that be? So, you know, conjures up in your mind uh, the stories that tell over, and never many of them, of the, uh, the Gainim who were Rachmala Aslan writing over Chedushe Teir on Shabbos in Slobotka. You get the misimpression, Slobotka, everybody was Rachmala Aslan, Machal Shabbos, it wasn't like a case. They had uh, Roy Ruby, the yeshiva, who became the next generation of the Gedele uh, Yisrael. And then you had some who were in yeshiva, who Haskalah was always looking to dafka to grab the greatest minds, and some of them uh, needed a Yeshua, but the intellectual challenge was so uh, incredible that they loved learning, and even though they weren't from. And by the way, even if you had cases like that, they were the meat. If you had cases like that, most often they came back, because the Torah has that ability to uh, bring people back. So it worked over here also. Because, not despite, because he was able to darshan in Sifri every year, Nuchidushim is probably why he was able to do tshuva despite the horrible things that were going on. And that's a, it's a Kirov tool that's still used today. Uh, it's different styles for different types of people, but if you just take uh, two examples of many, you know, people always want to know what's this, Eishat Teren or Sameach? It's a complicated question. They both uh, do tremendous work and have done tremendous work. But it's well known in our Sameach, they'll take somebody, um, I mean, the, the heyday for when the uh, Yidin were searching, but they didn't know what they were searching for, and you had droves of people coming with knapsacks straight from Tibet to the Kaisal, and they would uh, take them straight from the Kaisal and bring them to Asamea. So what would they do? So if you didn't know anything about Kiev or what they did, you'd say, well, take that from the Kaisal, and he doesn't know about the Yudgim Alani Mahamas, he just came from Tibet. And um, okay, a few of them were sent by the Guru in Tibet to go find the real thing, but <laughs> putting those stories aside... What would you do? So he said, I don't know, sit down and there's some, some alabes concurrent with Yud Gimelani Mamis. So what did they do? Sit down. Here's a Baba Kama. 
Shor So that's counterintuitive if you don't know anything about Shor Shnagar or Kir. What, what's the Shaykhis, right? So... So it's not yet. Yeah, they, yeah, current. I understand, but but there's a lot of shoshanah zapara. So why is it? The answer is shoshanah zapara. The godless of Teira is you gotta throw somebody into a sugya, and the ma'ar shebet will be machsa them. It depends on the person. Depends on that. Yes, you need other things concurrent, but even that alone, like why would you decide leave that for another ten years from now? The answer is no. This is darshaning sifri. This is in, you know. Vayikra, it's complicated kashem sugyas. So Manasha is being mechadish chidushim and uh, and brisk, and he's chayti amachtis aram. Like, what's the? So the Gemara doesn't spell this out, but uh, certainly that's part of what kept him within the realm of a person who had shaykhis to possibly doing tshuva. Is that he was still holding a learning? That's not an excuse. You can't be holding a learning and be an apicarius. But if you're struggling with the Yitzhar that he told Ravashi, it's hard to describe. And you're still learning, then there's a good chance that uh, you're still going to remain with the program. With that, to address your question uh, from a few moments ago, go to the next bracket. The Pusik will say, He had a lot of blood on his hands. So, Besides the Avodah issue, the Chet Yamatis Arabim and bringing the Avodah into the land, all over Yushalayim, in the base of Mitzvah Shachmah he killed a lot of people. Why? Why would you want to murder people? Rachmah So, the Mepharshim all say, the good news is, there were a lot of Heligayin, even during the reign of Menashe, and they survived Menashe, and outlived Menashe, and that's why we're still here. The same Yidin who would be under the Inquisition and in Russia by the KGB. And, uh, they're always going to be Yidin who will fight and fight to the death and uh, go underground, but also let it be known to the regime that we're not uh, going to sit for this or stand for this. And they did it with Menashe also. And Menashe didn't take it too kindly. And he ruled with an iron fist and he killed a lot of people because a lot of people were against him. That's a push-up shot. Why would he have to kill people? There aren't too many Yidin left. Why would he want to wipe out his kingdom? The answer is uh, they were misnagdim to his policy and uh, they let him know and he let them know. There are two other, well, it's Machlech, I'm going to say right now, what the other possibility is. It sounds like he filled up Yishlaim with blood me pale pe, which has been done before and since. We had uh, by the close of uh, Binyan by Yashani, which started with uh, Hordis's decision to build it because he had killed so many people. And the close of it was the fight, the internal fight between the Biryanim and the other gangsters who were ruling Yushalayim. And uh, anybody objected to what they were doing, including Tamilcham, he would also get rid of them. That's why Biyachimazaka had to be smuggled out in a coffin. So here the Pasuk describes a lot of murder. What does it mean? Hacha Targimu Shahara Yeshaya. It means, not necessarily to the exclusion of the other things he did in this department, but primarily to focus on the fact that he killed an Oviedar, and it was his grandfather, who was a Masnagid, and no doubt either gave him Musr or didn't have to give him Musr. The fact that he existed was the Musr. And he got rid of him, and when he killed him, if you remember, we saw the Chazal on that, he donned him as an Avisheker, you're arguing a Meshra Benu, which he wasn't, but Manasha had to convince himself in his own mind, even for Manasha, how do you kill Yeshaya? And um, the people aren't going to, like, 
there's a certain level of status, the, how the people are going to stand. So he had to make it look like a mock trial, that he's going to kill him for firm reasons, and it was his grandfather. Ironic, as he's the one who gave his daughter to bring Menasha into the world. And another pshat, Marava Amri Sha'asa Tzela Masi Ela B'nai Adam B'chol Yom Yom Harigas Kulam. The Avarazara he was creating had to be moved and lifted and it crushed the people underneath, which means that wasn't an accident, which means he was looking to get rid of the people objecting to his policy, and he made sure to get rid of them in a way where it looked like he just a, a work accident, but he got rid of them. So that's the question. Did he do tshuva for this? The album suggests that even if you do tshuva for Avarazara, it doesn't mean that this was undone, and that's part of the uh, complex issue. Was he able to undo it, and did he get a lamhaba? That what was that? If they were pushing the Zara, then they, some would think that they're on the side of the Zara. They should be. Um, again, I hate to criticize the American in you, but you sound like you're assuming he asked for volunteers and they volunteered for this job. <laughs> they didn't ask for volunteers. You put whoever you wanted to put under the Zara, and he told them, "Okay, today's job is to move it over there," and most people didn't survive. Right. You're asking, why would they volunteer? The answer is they didn't. That's the... Um, freedom is an amazing thing. You can't even imagine how bad it was. But, uh, yeah, he didn't ask for volunteers. He put them there. So, we, Mitzvah Shem, next week, we'll continue with the Psukim to see what happens, but that is uh, the end of the Akdama for now. Let's go to the Peleyayats. We are on page Kuf Mem Vav. We are discussing yesterday getting up on time, which for a Sunday morning, everybody sitting here, I am preaching to the converted, because apparently you got up on time and many of you davened already. So the first thing Peliyayitz was trying to uh, convince us of is the godless of getting up on time is not only to get on time for Minyan and to daven B'tzibah and Stash Medicine with the Tzibah and learn before davening, it can make your whole day. Because if you beat the eight Sahara in the morning, the first struggle everybody has in the morning, by definition, is when are you getting out of bed, and how quickly are you getting out of bed, and that nasty snooze button, which was created by some Russian Marusha. Heltaina, it was created it because the Shochanar says you can't jump out of bed right away, which we already took care of and said, yes, that's a din. You've got to wait a few seconds before you jump out of bed. I think the snooze button, uh, what's the uh, fallback position? Is seven minutes, eight minutes? Is there a fallback position? I don't think it's a minute, a minute and a half. You don't know, you don't have one. I'm happy to see there are people alive that still don't use it. But uh, once, twice, okay, that's fine. But uh, six times, seven times, eight times. And the kaychas you need to beat this Yetzirah, but when you do it, it gives you such siyat deshmaya because we say gamar, but over here, his point is if you get off to a good start, it's so much easier. You feel so much better about yourself. You have, you have a tailwind, siyat deshmaya. So that's what he's discussing. And he even mentioned in yesterday's shir that uh, he suggested that you have a coffee. That's the pelia, it's inside. There's the second to last paragraph. And it helps you wake up. It's also a laxative, and you have to take care of your tzrochen before davening. Lodkein, bottom paragraph. Lodkein, harisham, shema'achron, alayayin. He says, now the trick of getting up on time is when you go to sleep. Many people have learned that. Some people are still dealing with it. Lokein Rasham Shamachman Alayayan, Sheikha Yirdafu, Yayin Yadlikim, 
and they're sitting around schmoozing till late, and they're drinking. And time they finally wake up, they got to get to work. Not a lot of time to daven or learn. And if they go to davening and they don't even have time for a coffee, which sometimes, even if you get up late, you make time for, um, you're not going uh, with the proper hachanas. Mespalin, again, it still mentions Lolofanas because the olden days uh, using the facilities was a major affair. The outhouse was outside, hence the name outhouse. And you had to get there, and it was a process. And uh, you can't daven without these preparations. Mespalin, biyachit, tefila, chatufa, chatufa. And then they miss tefila, betzibur, and then they have a, a quick davening, which they hop. Uh, the expression we have today, catch a minion, probably comes from here. We probably shouldn't be catching minion, and we should be having soft landings and, uh, and be there at the opening. It's part of American life. And then they're, they're ice mentioned the whole day. And again, he's talking about people who are eating late and drinking late. Top line. They see that the process that they have and the schedule they have is not working, and then they end up staying up late and getting up late, and then they're all off schedule. And he happens to be talking about drinking problem, but it's not just that. It's anybody who's staying up late. We spoke yesterday about leaving your phones on a different floor, perhaps in your car. And that way you won't have it next to your bed to be able to uh, check another five things, which end up, uh, before you know it, is an hour or two later. They should know uh, that this process is not going to get them anywhere, and if they haven't noticed that with their own schedule, they should see it in other people. There are people who on a Shabbos afternoon, this next part of the year is a little better, it's harder to do, but they sleep for hours and hours and hours, and then much of Shabbos they can't understand why they can't fall asleep, and then Sunday they can't get up, and then they're tired, and then they're on a crazy schedule the whole week until next Erev Shabbos, and it starts again. So, you've got to figure out that it's not working as well as it should, and you're not being as productive as you should. And it catches up with you. If you don't learn that a schedule is not working and you don't learn how to fix it, so he applies this Pasuk. Hashem should take off the blinders that we put on ourselves, not to see that things can be fixed up. People think that they're just not... People saying all the time, I'm not a morning person. I'm not, I'm not sure that exists. I'm sure on some level, the bodies, everybody's wired differently, and some people have different nisyanis. You're not going to be a morning person if you went to sleep at 3 in the morning. Well, it's not going to be a morning person. So you have to know what, uh, what is not working to be able to be sure later how to fix it up. And yes, there are people who think they perform better at night and go to sleep at night and it's not their fault. And the question is, are they making Lamaisa? Are they making Zman Kriya Shema? Are they making Zman Tila? And are they making this a Dharm? And uh, there's a whole issue in, uh, in camp. I'm sure you've dealt with this. How do you get the boys up? So camp is uh, notorious for going to sleep late. So you have ODs, and then you have ODs on the ODs, and you have, uh, 
you have uh, some semblance of uh, something, and then you're... Um, I've been asked many times, what's the head to the play music in the morning? Now they wake up to music. So you know what the answer is. Uh, the answer is that the Bachram who are hearing that music are not amused and are not enjoying it. <laughs> so therefore, there's no issue there. And it's blasting, and uh, they're trying to get the Bachram out of bed. So in camp, it's a halbatarb. As I said, it's camp, and ultimately everybody gets there. Uh, the problem is, and, and, and Sunday, if you're not going to work, so you can dive a little later. Okay. But the question is, if that follows you into the year and into the work week, it's not going to be good for the work ethic, and it's not going to be good for the field but see, but the learning either. He teaches the Pasuk in an interesting way. Uh, the Pasuk in Mishle. So, uh, actually, I have a Mishle over here. It's an interesting way to read the Pasuk. Shalom HaMalch is uh, trying to motivate and criticize the Otzel who has trouble getting up in the morning. When are you getting up already? Dealing with this problem. So he's teaching the Pasuk at Masa Otzel. Tishkov is, is the Atzel, the battle the Atzel is fighting and getting up in the morning is fought the night before. That's the key takeaway to this Yasaid, and that is the Atzel has an Atzelus, has a laziness in getting to sleep on time. When are you getting up already? And that's what the Pelietz is bringing down over here. You got to know where the battle is to be able to win the battle. In time, makes a big difference, and you can't say what does make when I go to sleep. Well, it makes a difference because when are you going to get up? It's interesting that large sugyas, such as sleep patterns, when people get to sleep, when they eat, what they eat, is a major issue in the day-to-day functioning. And people, they go through life, and they don't really pay too much attention to it. They say, yeah, we're getting to it. What difference does it make? We have the advent of electricity. This became a problem. People used to go to sleep uh, not long after it got dark because it was expensive to run candles. The Masmidim burnt the candle, hence burning the midnight candle, and they, they, so they learn by a candle. Uh, the Masmidim usually were very about these things. Today, day is night, night is day. There's no shaykhis to any schedule, and for a year, who has to live by zmanim. Some zmanim. Pick a maganavam, a We have zmanim tefillah, and we have zmanim kriya shema, we have zmanim for sadarim. This is not a dov shamabakat. That's why the Peliyats is spending so much time in it. You have to really sit down with pen and paper. Is, is my schedule as good as it can be? Am I maximizing all the available minutes? I'm not asking for seconds. I'll start with all the available hours. And if it's too haphazard and I can't seem to get up, why is that? I'm normal. I'm healthy. Baruch Hashem. It has to do with the night before and it has to do with uh, what the schedule is and uh, are you thinking about it and putting it down on paper to try to maximize that time. And if it wasn't done yet, it's a good time to do it. Okay.